Welcome back to another edition of the Cats Illustrated Podcast. This has become a regular thing on the site the last week or two. I am your host and publisher, Justin Rowland, and I'm joined again, very happy to say, uh, by our managing editor, photographer, Renaissance man, Jeff Drummond, who has been covering Kentucky uh, very closely for a very long time, but uh, but also especially during camp. So he's a great, great person to talk to with the with the cat season opening in Central Michigan less than two days away. Jeff, how are you doing? Hey, doing pretty good, Justin. I think like the the rest of Big Blue Nation right now and, and everybody over there at the uh, Joe Craft Football Training Center, we're ready for some football. And uh, everybody's sick of, of talking about it. Ironically, we're going to talk about it a little more here on this podcast. But, man, you could really sense after Thursday's practice that this team is ready to go out and, and play. They're ready to hit somebody else, ready to see somebody else, ready to coach against somebody else, and we're ready to talk about somebody else. Of course, we've we've talked a lot about Central Michigan at the at the site. Bunch of content on the Chippewas. Would recommend that you check it out. All of it uh, is up at catsillustrated.com right now. And Jeff, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, last check uh, for most of the week, Kentucky's been about a 17 point favorite uh, against the Chippewa. The line appears to have held pretty steady, which makes sense because aside from the Landon Young injury news and Terry Wilson being named the starter, there hasn't really been anything, any news on either side that would dramatically alter, I think, how most people see the game. What do you what do you make of that line, and, and how do you think Kentucky matches up with the Chippewas in this one? Well, I, I thought it was pretty fair uh, when I first heard about it. I was going with a prediction, and we may get into that later, uh, so I won't spoil it if we do, but it's right in line with the score that I had in my mind uh, before seeing the line. So I feel pretty comfortable uh, with it where it's at. I think it's it's fair to, to both Kentucky and Central Michigan because it does give a certain amount of respect to a solid program that's been in four straight bowl games and, you know, has some nice power five wins in recent years. Yeah, I'm with you. I hadn't seen the line, and I, I said on Twitter earlier this week that my pick was 35-17 to 17 Kentucky, and I'll let you let you share your pick, and we'll obviously go into greater depth in a content piece on that that's going to go up tonight or tomorrow. Uh, but I like Kentucky. Um, I, I, I just randomly said they'll score a special teams touchdown, defensive touchdown. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it's meant to uh, account for the fact that Central Michigan has a very young offense in some respects they're kind of starting from scratch at a lot of spots on the field and Kentucky's got an experienced defense that I think is going to play more aggressively this year they've got some very good individual talents they've been very good at forcing turnovers in season openers under Mark Stoops Um, and special teams is an area where Kentucky's kind of resetting but I think Central Michigan has some questions as well did you want to just go ahead and, and fire off your prediction for the game yeah, I believe I want to say it was thirty-three to sixteen. Right. It was either that or thirty-three seventeen. I I can't recall for sure, but I, I feel fairly confident that it's going to be right around that uh, seventeen point mark. Even though I projected to be a pretty close game at halftime, I I think Kentucky comes out like a ball of fire and maybe jumps out ahead of them. But Central Michigan will be a little peskier than a lot of people think. Uh, could be a close game at halftime, but kind of a gradual pull away for the Cats in the second half to meet that uh, and maybe cover that spread. 
Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine Benny Snell not finding some success in this game. Last year in the season opener, Snell was pressing a little bit much. I think he was probably a little bit jacked up for the opener. I think he missed a few holes, as Eddie Grand talked about after the fact. He had a fumble down near the goal line uh, against Southern Miss, and that might have affected his confidence. But again, the offensive line... Um, was really unsettled with with snap issues in particular and and the feel for the offensive line going into this season even with with young out I think it's reasonable to expect that they're going to hit their stride earlier in the year primarily because not just of the experience across the board but because Drake Jackson really solidified the line the second half of last season wouldn't you say that that's fair yeah he kind of defined that term people like to use when they call him an anchor you know, every good line has an anchor there. Preferably, it's the center a lot of times because he's in the middle making the calls and, and kind of pulling everybody together in one direction. And that's the biggest thing he brought to them last season, I think, was that stability. Uh, even more than his natural talent level was just a calming influence and a smart guy, a guy that wasn't going to make mistakes. And now I think you see him maybe add to that a little bit this year and, and some of that uh, – uh, Army All-American talent starts to, to show through a little bit more. I, I expect even bigger things from Drake Jackson. Yeah. What, what kind of game plan are you expecting from Kentucky going into this one? You know, I know we can talk about the quarterback situation momentarily, but it's, it's an interesting scenario for Kentucky because on the one hand, they've got a new quarterback, and it sounds like Terry Wilson is going to get a lot of opportunities in this game, maybe not so much split between him and Hope as it seemed like before Stoops announced his starter. So on the one hand, you want to get Wilson as many reps and as much comfort um, in the offense as possible with Florida looming that second week, but you, maybe you don't want to open up the playbook so much that you don't leave a wrinkle or two um, that, that might surprise the Gators. So how much of the playbook, playbook do you think ideally they would put out there, and how do you think they'll they'll kind of strategize offensively going into this yeah. one? Ideally, they would love to hold some stuff back, but I don't think that Central Michigan is the type of opponent that will afford them the ability of doing that too much. They will add wrinkles between week one and two. They always do. There'll be some stuff that they go to that they didn't show. But I don't think it'll be quite by design in this game where they intentionally hold it back. They'll just go back and look at their film and say, okay, what did we do here? What can we show Florida that maybe was different uh, from that? So it's, it's an interesting X's and O's deal with this one because the temptation is to want to get Terry Wilson off to a really good start, get him into a, a good rhythm. But you've also got Benny Snell back there, and I suspect that Central Michigan's going to have all kinds of guys around behind a scrimmage early in this one. Uh, so will they take some of those downfield shots that they've been preaching about all summer and, and try to get Terry feeling good about himself early in this one? The sense that I got, I, I was sat in on the Mac conference call. I want to say this is around the time that you were at Stoops' press luncheon, and I talked to Coach John Bonamago a couple of, I asked a couple of questions of the Central Michigan coach, and I asked, they didn't know who the quarterback for Kentucky was going to be at the time, and I asked, how are you preparing for these guys differently? What kind of information or film have you been looking at? And 
you know, he said that they've got the kind of quarterbacks on their on their roster that will allow them to get kind of a look at each kind, a dual threat guy, a pro style guy. But he was like, that team's gonna go as Benny Snell goes. So I'm with you. I think they're gonna they're gonna be prepared for Benny Snell. And if Terry Wilson burns them, then they'll probably just throw their hands up and say, What can you do? You know? So aside from Kentucky, what about Central Michigan? I mean, they've got a red shirt fresh or I'm sorry, a sophomore quarterback who played a little bit of receiver last year, one of the more heralded recruits in uh, Tony Poljan, Poljan in their uh, program's modern history. But, you know, the, the offense, I think, aside from Jonathan Ward, the running back, has some real questions. Do you think they're going to they're gonna show a pretty conservative game plan going into Kroger Field? Yeah, I, I would tend to think so. I, I think uh, a lot of quarterback RPO in it with, with primarily him keeping the ball from everything I understand, even though you know, he's 6'7", and, and had a lot of target to hit. He's a fairly good athlete, good enough that they liked using him uh, for a few snaps at wide receiver last season. So a, a pretty good challenge, I think, for this Kentucky defense that we expect to be improved. And they get a guy right out of the chute that is going to uh, pose some of those dual threat things that have given them problems in the past. And we'll get a chance to see if they can answer that early. And it, it could foretell you know, how things are going to go in week two because we know we're going to see that a lot from Florida with their new system. Uh, the, the run is going to be a big part of the quarterback game uh, down there. So if they have trouble with the Central Michigan dual threat, that could uh, be a red flag for week two. Yeah, it'll be good preparation. That's a very good point. Um, one of the things that became a storyline this this week um, you know, it's. I guess it's still technically talking season because Jonathan Ward kind of. I don't. I guess we'll see if he stuck his foot in his mouth or or not. But he he basically said he didn't know Benny Snell, um, and, and you know he expressed confidence um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, um, he kind of maybe unwittingly or unintentionally spur of the moment threw a little bit of shade, and Snell responded. Um, as you caught him on video saying, um, you know, I've rushed for a thousand yards back to back seasons in the SEC. I don't have anything to prove that speaks for itself. Um, what, what do you make of the kind of the back and forth talk? Do you think that that just, that yeah. just goes away once the game starts or what was your take on or, that? Ordinarily, I don't put much stock into stuff like this. I, I think it's fun for us to talk about during the week and for fans and, and Twitter and all that stuff. But Knowing Benny Snell, I know I'm fairly confident in stating he took this to heart. Yeah, and this is a this is a guy his whole career has sought an edge and uh, perceived or outright disrespect, whether it be recruiting rankings, some other running back getting more attention than him. He has used that as fuel, and I'm pretty certain that that's going to be the case on, on Saturday for a guy who was already kind of amped up because of what we saw happen to him in the Music City Bowl. I think he's been, he's had this game circled for a long time uh, to get back out there and, and, and play a full game and, and, and to lead his team. And uh, if it was anybody else, I might just shrug it off. With Billy Snell, not so much. Central Michigan, they've had some very good individual talents come through their program over the last decade or so. They've had really quality quarterback play. 
They've had success as a program. They've had a number one draft pick offensive tackle. They've put other guys into the NFL. Last year, Joel Usman, their, uh, their defensive lineman, even though he only played in 11 games, tied for the FBS lead in sacks. This is a, a program that has probably recruited well for a Mac school, but they've developed extremely well. And I think people are going to be surprised at the quality of their front seven. You know, as good as Kentucky's offensive line can be, as great as Benny Snell is, I don't think that this front seven is just going to get blown off the ball right from the jump necessarily. I'll be surprised if they do. I think Kentucky fans are going to be surprised at maybe how how tenacious and how scrappy that that Central Michigan front is. So um, I think Snell will probably get his numbers, but I think they are going to have to mix it up to uh, to do what they want to do on offense. Yeah, I, I do too. And speaking with. Uh... Uh, the Central Michigan guys earlier this week, they, they seem to think they're really solid up front. And uh, that's a pretty good indicator. I think anytime you can feel good about your club there, they've got some question marks, I think, in some other places where they lost some depth. And, and, and they have to see how this new quarterback responds, of course. But if you've, if you've got a line in college football, an offensive line, a defensive line, everything else typically seems to fall in place. You know, Kentucky's gonna gonna be honoring John Schlarman and Josh Pascal with uh, with some some stuff on their on the back of their helmet, and that's obviously been a big topic over the last week, over the last month. What's the vibe, kind of the mood? And we we and everybody else in the media has respected the privacy that Mark Stoops has asked for in those situations to let them deal with with uh, with, with each sensitive situation in their own way with their families, with their loved ones. But what's been the mood um the tone around those two guys and just how people in the program have been handling it well i thought during most of camp ever since mark stoops made those announcements on the first day you know that press conference we were at uh was it media day maybe i think where he made yeah, that announcement it was media day yeah i mean i mean that was a kick to the gut for everyone that heard that and, and for someone like me you know john Sharman goes back to I was just a, a cub reporter at the time. He's a couple of years younger than me, and I had just left UK and was, you know, still covering the team and everything. So I, I think of him still as that guy from Fort Thomas Highlands and a, a guy who anchored one of the best UK offensive lines I've ever seen. So there's a soft spot there uh, for him, and, and one of the best people you could ever be around. Just always upbeat, always positive, always helpful to us and doing our jobs. Uh, so it, it took me a while on, on meeting that. I really, I could not get centered, <laughs> so to speak, after hearing that. It, it was a wet blanket on, on what is usually a real exciting, fun day. And that kind of carried up until this past week where they had this, you know, speaking opportunities for him. And I was really kind of uplifted by just listening to him uh, talk about the challenge and, and how he's continuing to go to work. And how football has kind of been a little bit of us, you know, salvation for him in a, in a dire situation. That you know, coming out to go to work every day and, and to get this team better instead of sitting around thinking about what might happen with his health has been really positive for him. And I think the players are listening and kind of following his lead and following the lead of how you know Josh Pascal has handled himself by all accounts and. It should be something that they can kind of 
you know, I think borrow from for the season when they think they're in a bad spot or the body's aching a little bit and they're nicked and ding, they can think about, you know, their colleagues and, and what they're going through and maybe that can carry them through and to get to another level. Yeah, I was next to you there at Media Day and I asked you, man, I, I think I asked you a question about uh about that press conference when Stoops announced that right at the beginning. And I think I remember you telling me you felt like a jerk even being out here covering anything else when somebody's going through something like that. And that's exactly how you feel. Even segueing off the topic on a podcast like this, it's awkward and you feel bad, but that's just kind of the way that it's been since the start of this camp. And it's, he's obviously doing something that, like you said, like he said, um, has, has helped take his mind off of it. And I think everybody can relate to that even if not as in a severe situation like that, but, but the weight, nobody loves the weight. And that, that is certainly one that we're going to keep him in our thoughts and prayers over. Uh, but for that awkward segue, we are talking about the game. And I want to give you a chance, Jeff, to, to maybe mention a couple of guys that you think are going to be really important to Kentucky that maybe we haven't talked about. You know, Terry Wilson's going to be really important. Uh, we know Benny Snell is always going to have a big say in the game. Are there any other Kentucky players that, that you think fans ought to be um, uh, looking for in terms of playing a big role in the outcome or maybe having a big game potentially? Yeah, I'm going to shift to the other side of the ball and, and kind of look at a couple guys I, I'm very interested in watching closely. And I'm, If you're like me, you probably watch this game a couple of times extra <laughs> after – yeah, I'll be there Saturday, of course, and then I'll go back and watch it at least once and review and maybe a couple times for certain parts of the game. But Cash Daniel, you know, yeah. getting handed the reins at middle linebacker, kind of the center of the Kentucky defense, the emotional leader and, and captain over there. And then you've got Jamar Boogie Watson, a, a strong side backer, who is stepping into that, you know, Denzel Ward. Um, I say Denzel Ford, Denzel Ware <laughs> uh, position yep. opposite of Josh Allen. And that's a crucial spot. I think we've heard for a couple of years how much potential Boogie has. And he's going to get his chance. Now, he's got the keys to the car. And I, I really want to see some flash and some big plays out of him, Seth. Yeah, I'm excited to see what uh, what Boogie can do because Brad White seems super excited about him. <clears throat> and... You know, it, he's going from a role where he had kind of spot duty um, and he could kind of um, almost like a relief pitcher come in and uh, and do his thing. And his mind seemed to be right in those situations. He seemed to be prepared, but I'm not sure that he's had the, the extensive amount of action that would really give us an accurate gauge of what his strengths, what his weaknesses, what his tendencies are. And so it'll be interesting to see what he's like in a starter's role. As for Cash Daniel, yeah, this has been a long time coming. Um, it's really going to be a first audition for him in that middle linebacker spot. I suspect he'll probably be pretty similar to Courtney Love and the kind of player he was um, for Kentucky, maybe minus some of the experience, but he's that kind of leader uh, as well. So um, I, some guys to watch out for. I'm obviously um, excited to see Lynn Bowden. I mean, we've been, we've been hearing about him for more than a year. He was a great all-purpose player last year. Um, the question uh, is, how, how great of a receiver is he right now? And I like what I've seen and heard from Michael Smith 
um, the receivers coach, and he's he's not going to take any excuses. He's challenging Bowden to step up and be a big time player. Do you think Bowden is ready to make a a big step forward, or do you do you think expectations are out of whack for him at all? No, I, I really do think this is the next step for him, and that we're going to see some serious playmaking ability from him. It was it was kind of unfair what we expected of him last year. Uh, despite all of his athletic talents and natural raw ability, uh, you can, you just can't stick a guy out there uh, at wide receiver in the SEC and, and say go do it as a freshman when they've never played that position before. Right. But for all intent and purpose, he had never played any real wide receiver where he had to run routes and be on time and be precise and do all of that stuff. Now he's had that, you know, he's done that for a whole year. And he's feeling a little bit of swag. And I think if I had to pick one guy on the offensive side of the ball who who may be like an MVP-type guy on Saturday besides Benny Snell, who, who's an obvious <laughs> pick, it would be Lynn Bowden. And I'm also – I mean, I, I just think the receiver position is so fascinating because, honestly, the way – when camp started, when the year started, I had serious questions about this group. Like I, I would look at the the guys on paper, and I'm like, "There's not much in the way of a proven rotation here." But I have to say that with what the coaches have said about David Bouvier, um, with the fact that Taven Richardson, I think, is is underrated, uh, and, and is going to be a better receiver than most people. Um, realize the fact there are several sophomores, not just Bowden, but several sophomores. Who are who are probably more prepared to make an impact? Um, I think the receivers could be better than maybe I've given them credit for, but but we're about to find out. Um, you have any thoughts on the group as a whole beyond Bowden? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like you on that. There's a lot of natural ability uh, with those guys, but it just hasn't hasn't been proven yet. And uh, we think we know what we're going to get from them this season, but until we see it, uh, until we see that they have that. Uh, chemistry down with Terry Wilson, uh, especially uh, to take the top off the defense at times and stretch the field and do all the things the coaches have been talking about repeatedly. We we have to take a wait and see approach. So I I guess I would describe it as cautious optimism uh, regarding that group. Is Kentucky at the point as a program where? They could win this game, but maybe it's like a touchdown win, like a twenty-seven to twenty win. Do you? Is it possible you come away feeling bad about a win in this game if they don't cover the spread, if they don't look as good as we thought, if Terry Wilson just struggles, or do you think that maybe they're still at the point where you know Central Michigan, a pretty good mid-major program, if they win and move on to Florida, the chance to go two and zero to break that streak is that is that no matter what a win, the outcome that that you're looking for? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see this being a very competitive game down to the end, and, and we've we've got pretty good reason to kind of expect that under Mark Stoops, where they've played down to some of the the smaller conference opponents right. at times. I mean, we we saw it last year. They had, I think, uh, kind of one possession games deep late into the game against uh, Eastern Michigan and Eastern Kentucky, and. There's countless other examples going back to 2013. Uh, so I, I, I do think there's reason to be concerned about a close game. And you're probably going to have some people saying that even if even if Kentucky comes out and blows out this team, which I don't think is going to happen, they're going to be the yeah-but crowd 
who say, let's see what they do next week yeah. against Florida. So it's almost a no-win situation in, in a lot of ways uh, for them. But you would like to see them go out and play clean and play really well and, and kind of hammer this team to make people think, okay, you know, maybe they got a shot to go toe-to-toe uh, with the Gators in the Swamp. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, it's no, it's just normal in college football. I don't say it's more normal now than it used to be because I don't know how it used to be. But, but you know, Iowa, it seems like Iowa plays a close game against a mid-major team to start every single season. And I don't think that, that we should read too much into it if this one is closer than people think. Although the 17-point line spread in Kentucky's favor seems to be holding – pretty uh pretty solid this week and that's usually a pretty good indication so i I wanted to keep this pretty brief um jeff i appreciate you coming on once again and everybody can read the stuff jeff's putting up at the site great practice coverage um he had a really really good video question answer session up with mike edwards right now and briefly that's something you've wanted to do for a while kind of take people behind the face mask so to speak and introduce players on a on a more personal level is something that you seem to have a, a little bit of a passion for correct yeah, and uh, we used to do that uh, back in the day, and it was a, a pretty popular feature uh, with the, the subscribers on the site. They, they really enjoy getting to see a side of the players that just wasn't talking about football yep. <laughs> issues. And we're going we're gonna to try to do that more. We, we rolled it out with Mike Edwards. Had a few technical difficulties, and I really uh, got frustrated. An, an ambulance came by at one point of that <laughs> and kind of wiped, wiped out one of the best answers he got gave. But... Uh, we're on training wheels right now with it and, and going to try to do it more as the season progresses to just let you guys in Big Blue Nation know a little bit more about these players other than just the X's and O's. Very good. Jeff Drummond, managing editor, photographer, does phenomenal work for Cats Illustrated. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thanks, Justin. I want to thank everybody for listening. I appreciate all the great feedback that you guys have been sharing on the podcast. If you could please continue to subscribe on iTunes and rate us, that would be phenomenal, especially five-star ratings. We'd love those. Um, I appreciate those of you who have done that thus far. Did want to have a a minor recruiting note, although it's been up at the site. Um, Kentucky will have a number of visitors this weekend. I I, I will be adding to the list over the next 24 hours, but it's an unofficial list, and these things are in flux. The big news, of course, is that Defensive lineman Isaiah Gibson of Springfield, Ohio, uh, will be taking his official visit to Kentucky this weekend. We reported that about the middle of the week, and he tweeted out that that is his plan. So that's obviously very important. You know, he had taken three official visits, I want to say back in June, which means that there are two left. This will be one of them, and he's planning, unless he changes these plans, he's planning to make a decision on September 19th. And I can tell you, I would be surprised if Gibson ends up anywhere other than Kentucky. As of a couple of months ago, um, sources were being very, um, they were expressing a lot of confidence when it came to Gibson. And I don't want to use the phrase silent commit, but I think that there had been some kind of um, discussion that led Kentucky to believe that, you know, he's going to go through the process but at the end of the day they stood a great chance and if they're able to lock Gibson up that would be a heck of a duo from Spring, Springfield with with Gibson one of the top defensive linemen in Ohio and Moses Douglas uh, certainly one of the top defensive back safeties in the Midwest and then the other big recruiting news would be some of the state's top 2020 prospects quarterback Bo Allen offensive lineman uh, Walker Parks UK legacy 
uh, four-star offensive lineman John Young from Louisville, Christian Academy in Louisville. Those guys are going to be there. And, uh, you know, th those are three of Kentucky's very mo biggest, most important targets from the 2020 class. And, frankly, I think they're in good shape with all of them. I think Allen wants to see the progression of the passing game uh, with a new quarterback this year. That'll be important for him. He's probably going to visit a lot of other schools, I would imagine. Uh, Walker Parks, Clemson. Notre Dame, some other big-time programs really interested in him. But but the fact that he didn't commit to Clemson when they offered when he visited Clemson over the summer, um, I think that bodes well for Kentucky's chances. And they really like Walker Parks, and I, I'm with them. I think that he's probably underrated. I think he's number five in the state according to rivals, uh, and I would probably have him towards the top of that list. And then John Young, obviously rated as one of the top 250 players in the country by rivals, and I think Kentucky's got an excellent chance at at locking him probably a better chance with John Young than with either Bo Allen or Walker Parks and that's really saying something but this is when it gets real um, official visits starting back up ton of unofficial visits going on talking season gives way to real football thank you for listening please continue to do so we'll see you at the site